The scripture this morning is the word of our Lord as recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thank you, Dave. Well, it's good to see everybody here. Well, it's good to see the masks that are here. And when we all get to heaven and they start talking about tribulation and trials, bring up this story about the mask, okay? I mean, you can tell them about, yeah, we had to worship with masks. I mean, it's one of those things. Uh, yeah, and things have changed again, over 3,000 cases in the last few days, and so Maricopa County is now requiring mask anytime you're in a setting where you are going to be in danger. We have blue tape, and I appreciate you guys sitting where there's blue tape. Um, one of the things that you might be aware of is there's a lot of people watching online. It's not all here, and uh, of course, there's a lot more of us. If you are willing to help Rich, I'll bring up Rich again. Uh, <laughs> he is trying to run things up there and get everything done. And like everything else, we find a shortage of volunteers. And so if you're willing to help him up in the sound booth, that would be great. I also want to mention Ian's birthday today. Happy birthday, Ian. And Mike's birthday, right? I'm not going to ask how many because you and I are pretty close to the same. So. <laughs> It's not pretty. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad all of you are here to be able to worship God today. And uh, it's just one of those great things that we're able to do. And I want to think about Father's Day. And so I just wanted to say Happy Father's Day to all the people who have kids out there. And uh, it's always a great thing. I always considered the two boys that we had the best toy I ever got. I mean, I had more fun with those than, than anything else, and so that was always great. So, what was your concept of father? Do you remember father? We usually don't think biologically and think, well, okay, what's the blood sample going to show? We think more of the person who did things with us, the th person who took us hunting or took us fishing or things like that. And yeah, I can remember being out freezing with my dad uh, claiming we were hunting, uh, that just meant you carried heavy things around with you and then you drove back home. We didn't always find what we were hunting for. A lot of times it meant fixing things with my dad. He had an electric motor winding shop and there was all kinds of tools in there. And so it meant being able to go and play with the tools 
or work and help him with the tools. And so it was one of those things I wanted to do is be able to help him. And he found a few jobs that I could do and, and uh, ways in which I could be in the shop because it was an exciting place to be there. Um, we usually think of God as Father, but doesn't that seem odd to you? I mean, God is God. Would you want to be called Father, or would you want to be called God of the universe, right? I mean, a lot of people would want to be called, well, I'd rather be God of the universe. That means I'm all-powerful. That means I know everything. That means I can, and, and we can have all kinds of adjectives with this and talk about it, but it seems like God, for some reason, wants to be called Father, And if you could be the most powerful person and have all the money and all the wealth and have all the knowledge and all the advantage, be almighty, all-powerful, all-everything, all-creator, all-justice, didn't matter what it is, would you rather have that or would you simply rather be called Father? Well, I think that's what we want to look at today a little bit. And for some reason... The almighty, all-powerful God seems to be introduced, at least in the New Testament, as Father. In the Old Testament, it's not quite the same. In the Old Testament, God is the God of law. God is creator. God is the one who is above. God is the one who is the pillar of fire and cloud that follows Israel. God is the giver of the law. God is the one who is the judge of all things. And so when they pray, they pray to God above. And we usually think of it that way also. We pray to God. And when they get captured, they would pray to God to deliver them. And so we can see that people didn't really think of God as father in the Old Testament. The person they thought of as father is Abraham. And since the the song, Father Abraham, no, it doesn't quite go that far back, but that's who they thought of as father was Father Abraham. Well, there's a reason for that. Abraham had been given a promise by God, and the promise was that he and his descendants would have this place of land, that all nations would be blessed in Abraham and his descendants after him. And so that's where the promise comes from. That's where the blessings come from is because I have Abraham as my father, grandfather, great-grandfather. So Abraham has Isaac as his son. Isaac has Jacob. And Jacob's name is later changed to Israel by God. And then Jacob has 12 sons, and they are the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's where that comes from, is the children of Israel is how they're referred to in the Old Testament. They're not referred to as children of God, they're the children of Israel. Or they claim that our father was Abraham, or the God of our father, when they begin to talk about God. The God of our father, Abraham, is the way that they describe it. And so it's very interesting to look at this, and uh, you don't really see God described as Father in the Old Testament. I mean, there's a few references and things like that, but it's very, very uncommon to see people that even thought of God as Father. 
Well, today we mention that all the time. We think of Father as being God, and that would be a common thing for us. Not so much back then. In fact, you don't really even see it. There's a couple of places where God describes, well, I couldn't be your father because you didn't obey. Uh, A place where David kind of says, well, I wish you were father and tries to describe a relationship. But generally, it just isn't there. God is not father in the Old Testament. Abraham is father. When you look at Messiah, Messiah is the one who comes and delivers And so they would be looking at Messiah to deliver them from whoever had captured them. And that's where they would have this idea of Messiah. Uh, And so we have a trinity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Theirs would be God, Father Abraham, Messiah. Well, it's a whole different way of thinking about it. A whole different way of looking at it. Because everything came through Father Abraham. He was their promise. But the promise was for all people. And so when we begin to look at that, Jesus is that child of promise. And when you get to the New Testament, I want you to look at what it says and how Jesus begins to introduce God because it is very different. Matthew 5.14, the passage Dave read to us. You're the light of the world. He talks about the city that can't be hidden. The reason we're the light of the world, though, is not because we're so great. The reason we're light of the world is because God has blessed. The reason we're light of the world is because we have a heavenly Father. One of the first times it gets used. And they must have been so confused, they're like... Abraham in heaven? No, wait, what are you talking about? And so it wasn't common for them to even understand this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you're the light of the world, you're the city set on a hill, you're the one that that people can see, and your good works will glorify your Father in heaven. And they're going, Father in heaven? What are you talking about? And for the first time, you see Jesus introducing the concept of Father as God. And God as Father. Well, isn't that a demotion? I mean, after all, you've come from being almighty creator, all-powerful above all things, down to... And Jesus over and over and over again says, And your Father and my Father... And so he introduces this whole idea and this whole concept. And so I want to look at some of those things. Jesus talks about us being the light of the world because we have a Father who makes us that way. Because we are the ones who are able to be that. And he begins his ministry by calling God his Father. And he begins his ministry by calling God their Father as well. Something they may not have understood before. The concept of Father God wasn't really in the way they spoke. And some of the arguments that Jesus has with the Pharisees are about the fact that God is Father. And they come back with, oh no, we're Abraham is our father. And he goes, right, your real father's the devil because you're not following anybody and you're doing what he says. But this whole concept of Father is very different when we start looking at it. I think we've done the New Testament so much we don't really quite see that that isn't mentioned in Old Testament. 
And so now Jesus introduces this concept of Father. And so two things I want you to get from this passage. One is we are made to be light because of the Father. And so we are able to shine and give glory to Him because He is our Father. And secondly, the Father is glorified in what we do. Okay, you got those two? Remember. All right. Still in Matthew 5, toward the end of the chapter, he introduces this idea of Father again. And so in Matthew 5, 43, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he made the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So much he's tied around the fact that you have a heavenly Father, and I want you to learn to love like him. I want you to be like him. I want you to be children of this heavenly Father. And so Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. Pray for people who persecute you. He expects the Son to act like the Father does. And so the children of God learn to love like their Father. They learn to love like their Father. He blesses people, but He doesn't try to determine whether they're good or bad. He blesses people sometimes and just says, I'm a God who blesses, and he blesses his people. But he didn't try and only bless his people. He just blessed, and okay, even some of the other people got blessed by it with sun and rain, and he didn't try and force it one way or the other. And he says, I want you to know that that's your Father God. It's not a selective type of love where he says, well, I like this person, I don't like that person, that person obeys, this person doesn't. And so he, he's just a God who blesses, he's a God who loves, and you know, it's going to flow over, and sometimes it's going to flow over into everybody, even tax collectors and sinners, and so he's not selective in that. And then he talks about that you need to be mature, because he actually says you must be Perfect, but the word there is not meaning without sin or without any flaws. The word there is meaning complete or mature. And so he says, I want you to be complete or mature. I want you to be full grown. I want you to act like you're mature because that's how love needs to act. And your heavenly father acts like he's mature. And somebody says, I don't like you. He doesn't turn around and say, well, I don't like you either. That's the immature side of things. And so if somebody says, I don't like you, he says, well, I'm God and I can bless. And you're not hurting me a bit. And it really doesn't matter because God is so much bigger than that. It's not that we can boil him down to a little guy who is intimidated by every person who doesn't like him. He loves because of who he is. And it does not matter how other people feel about him. And it does not matter what other people do against him. He is going to love and he is going to be a person who decides how he's going to love. And he's going to ask us to do the same thing.
treat other people as good because of who we are. Not because they've been good to us. Not because they've done things right for us. But because of who we are. And we have a Father who loves like that. And he says, that's why I would want you to love like that. And so we love like our Father rather than by what is done to us. We love like our Father because that's most important. So if we're children and claim to have God as Father, then we're going to prove that by loving the same way God does. That's difficult to do, isn't it? There's a lot of things going on, and it gets so difficult to do that. But that's what God expects. He says, I'm the Father. This is what we do in our family. And so you can see him in all of these things being able to do this and expecting his children to do the same thing. By the time you get to Matthew 6, he does the same thing again. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. As if that's the worst thing. Because that is the worst thing. That you would have no reward, no regard from your Father who is in heaven. And so he says, be careful about practicing your righteousness before other people in order to just be seen by them. Uh, that's not what it's for. And he's going to mention three specific things. He's going to mention giving, and he's going to mention several things with this. He, he mentions giving in this passage. Um, in verse 2, he says, For thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let anyone know what your right, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so as you look at this whole thing, he's trying to introduce this idea of practicing your righteousness before men, and, and he's trying to say that, you know, that's what we do to a God in secret. Wow, there's a secret? Yeah. There's a God who sees in secret. Don't practice it so that, and it's kind of the things of our personal devotion. Our prayer, our fasting, our giving, our believing that God supplies are the things that he's going to be talking about with this. And so it's not the practice of good deeds or the practice of looking like God because the light is practiced so that other people can see your good works. And in just a few verses later, he says, don't practice before, well, which one is it? Do you want me to do it before others or don't you want me to do it before others? He says, I want you to be able to decide what happens. I don't want you to practice your personal devotion to God so that other people would be impressed in what you say, in the way you pray, in how much you give. But I want you to practice the good deeds before others that God might be glorified because they know the only reason you're doing that is because you have a father, that God is your father, that God is the one who watches, that God is the one, and that's why you would do that. 
we have a Father who sees in secret. What an amazing thing. It's a special relationship. And so the place where the only the Father sees us, and He knows what we're doing. He knows how well we're doing. He knows whether uh, we are good. He knows the hurts. He knows the heartaches. And He sees in secret. We have a Father who rewards what He sees in secret. And so that's what happens to us. He's rewarding for the real thing. He's rewarding because this has come from our heart, because this is something that's there. And over and over, he talks about rewarding us. All the way through, as you look at Jesus' teaching, he, look, he talks about a heavenly Father and about that heavenly Father be the one who rewards. Well, what's he trying to do? Bribe us? Not at all. He's just saying that's who God is. He's a God who loves to be able to give and to reward, and that's what he's going to do. And so when we see that, we understand that's who God is, and that's how we are going to be with our children, that we are going to do those things as well. He talks a little bit more about prayer in Matthew 6 and verse 6. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Once again, the same thing. He's got this idea of there's a Father in secret and you can have that private conversation with Him. And because of that private conversation, He is able to then reward or to give based on that. In verse 14... He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so he's given them all about prayer, and now he turns to forgiveness. He says, we have a God who forgives. And it's called, God is our Father, and our Father forgives. And so we forgive because our Father forgives us. And if our Father forgives us, well, then we are able to have that same relationship with other people. In fact, he kind of insists on it here, doesn't he? He doesn't really say, you know, well, if they're nice to you, and if they say I'm sorry, and if they confess they're wrong, he just says, you know what? You forgive them, and I'll forgive you. And he doesn't put any other conditions but what if they were really mean? He says, I'm not, <laughs> you kind of were too. He doesn't say that. He's, he's the more mature, right? He doesn't say that and come back with all the things that we've ever done and how much we hurt him when we start complaining about how much everybody else has done against us. In fact, he just tries to forgive. Fathers are about teaching what's right and what's fair, even if other people don't do things right. You always have to teach for that contingency. It's not that everyone is going to respond in an appropriate way. And we know that especially because of Jesus and his example on the cross. Jesus' own statement, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As they nail him to a cross and lift him up, And he dies for the sins of the people that are the ones killing him. 
he says, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Did they repent to him? Did they say we're sorry? Did they ask forgiveness? Well, not yet. But because Jesus does this now, it opens a way for them to be able to do that later. He is the son of his father. He is acting like his father. He is our example. He does this so that we would know what we are supposed to do. He goes to his secret place. He goes into Gethsemane and prays to his father and asks, I don't want this to happen. I don't want to do this. And God allows or causes whichever way you want to look at that it to happen anyway, which is what Jesus wanted ultimately. And God does hear that prayer, but God also does what God knows is best. And so when we pray and we feel like God isn't getting it, He's not giving us what we ask for, Just realize God is giving you exactly what you need. It may not be what you ask for, but it is definitely what you need. And that God always hears. Because a father forgives. And he teaches his children to forgive. I saw this. The father is a man who expects his son to be as good a man as he meant to be. Somehow I can relate to that one. I don't think we ever quite measure up to what we intended. And there's a world around us that doesn't treat us as fair. And the Father is someone who's bigger and knows how to live bigger. Because they didn't treat Jesus as fair. They killed him. They even killed the prophets. They didn't treat the prophets as fair. They didn't treat the Christians as fair. Why would we expect anything any different? And even if they don't respond, we're our enemies. The father is a man who expects his son to do as good as he meant to be. And we live up to the promise of our father. We live up to the love of our Father. One more passage is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All these things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except by the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Over and over again. Father, Father. Father, Father. And we think that would be, well, that's the normal way they talked. And no, it wasn't at all. And we look at the world around us and we realize that isn't the way the world knows God. He's not their father. He's, you know, they think he's somewhere up far away and they're getting away with something down here. 
No, he's father. He sees. He knows what's in secret. He meets you there in secret. He's able to be there with you. And the father reveals things to his children. That's what Jesus says here. He says, I'm thankful you're not giving it to everybody. Not to the people who think that they're smart. To the ones who think that they've got all this in." you know, extra intellect and everything else, and they've got it all figured out, and everybody else is just dumb. He says, I'm glad you revealed it to children. To children who don't have to know everything, yet they're just, they're children, though, and they are going to follow their father. They're going to do the things that their father says. They're hidden from the wise and those, but they're revealed to children. All we have to do is act like our Father. And that's going to be one of the main arguments Jesus uses in the Pharisees. He says, you're seeking to kill me. Because I'm acting like my Father. Because I'm going to my Father. And he tells them they're of their father, the devil, because they act like him. And so what we do is we follow him. That's, that's kind of the definition of what's a father-child relationship. It's the one that follows. The one that is so into the father that he tries to act like the father and tries to do everything like the father. Because that's how children are. They're people who follow. People who want to do. And I can remember with my own children when I go out to work on the car... And sometimes this worked and sometimes this didn't work. My oldest son, I said, let's go work on the car. I've got to do something. And I go out and he would stand there and say, can I go in yet? I said, no, this is good. I want you to show you about cars and about how to do this. We're changing a battery or we're doing something. And, you know, we'd, I'd explain a little bit more and he'd go, can I go in yet? It's like, okay. But not my youngest one. He was like, oh, dad's working on the car. I want to work too. Dad, you work on an engine. I'll work on this fender. Uh, Put the hammer down, son. (laughs) So I gave him a screwdriver. He says, you need to work on that tire back there. And he went back there. Man, he worked that tire over. I figured that tire could take it. And so here's a little kid, three or four, and he's back there just poking that thing every which way into that wheel, making sure that that wheel's just right, and fixing that wheel, because he's working on the car with Dad. It was one of those amazing things all the way through. And my son now, the youngest one, I was able to watch as he preached this morning in Jacksonville, Florida. And so that's one of those amazing things. But he told the story and has told me previous about this that not long ago he started doing the dishes just because I have no idea why. His mama raised him right is all I can say. But he told Allison, you know what, all I've got is floors. She hates doing the dishes, so he decided I would do the dishes. So about a month after he started doing the dishes... Every night, which you've got two kids, four and two, and so there's a lot of dishes. Pretty soon, Truett comes up and says, Daddy, I want to wash the dishes. What? You want to wash the dishes? I want to wash the dishes. 
So when we talked to him just a day or two ago, he says, Nana, I'm washing dishes. Really? How do you wash dishes? And he has to think about it with a scrubby. And so he gets up there and he washes dishes. Why? I mean, you're little. You could get out of it. No, because dad does. That's what happens. That's the whole relationship of Christianity. Do it because dad does. And you're able to be with him and you're able to be involved with him and you get that little bit of time because otherwise he's washing dishes and you're off playing. He's got all these toys to play with and he would rather wash dishes with dad than play with toys. Really? Yeah. And if you think about it, wouldn't you like that? I doubt that you want any of your old toys back. But would you like another chance to do something with Dad? How about a chance to do something with your Heavenly Father? And so Jesus over and over again talks about Heavenly Father, your Father, my Father, And we are children who love God so much that we want to be with our Father. I doubt that I would be standing here today if my father was not interested in Bible, interested in preaching, interested in going to church, interested in doing things. And yeah, for a while I said, I am not going to be a preacher. Whatever happens, I am not doing that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I know, 46 years later, here I am. But he was interested in it, and it becomes something that you are interested in because he is interested in it. And it's not, Christianity is not just a profession, it's, it's a matter of being children of a father and following him and doing the things that he wants and forgiving when he would forgive And when we make mistakes and when we fall short, we get back up and we go again and we do again. We follow our Father because Jesus does that. And it talks in that scripture about He reveals to them children because of grace. Because He's gracious. He says the Father's given everything to the Son. And God's given things to us, not because we deserve it, not because we are owed it or entitled to it, but not because of, you know, everything is fair around us. In fact, there may be a lot of past injustices and imbalances in the universe, and he's not trying to make it all even and equal. He's, he's just saying, do this because you're my kid, you're my son, and we act like him. God will not clear up all the problems in your life. I want you to know that. He will allow you to act like Him and live above them. Because that's what God does. He does not get involved in all the details. And maybe if enough people live above the sin and the horror of this world we might eventually find the way that God does it.
because that's what makes all the difference. Jesus is revealing the Father by being Son of God. And he comes and he lives it out before us. And so let me show you those again one more time. We call God Father because we are made to be light because of the Father. He makes us better somehow because the Father is glorified in what we do. And so we call God Father because the children of God learn to love like their Father. And so we try to learn to love like God. And we have a Father who sees in secret. And we have a Father who rewards what He sees in secret. And we forgive because our Father forgave us. All of these are about Father. That's what Jesus applies it to. If you don't have the concept of Father, you don't get this. He says the Father reveals things to His children. And Jesus can give rest when we follow Him, when we become His children. And Jesus talks over and over again about this idea of being child of God, of having the right to become children of God, of being born again into a new family, born of water and spirit. And He's talking about our repentance and our baptism into Christ I want you to know we have a chance to do that spiritually today, to become a child of God in that sense. But then that's not all of it, because here's the rest of it. When you're a child of God and you've been baptized into Christ and all your sins have been washed away, then you're able to act like your father. And that's what I want you to see. Okay, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. All of those things are in there. And when Jesus begins to describe Father, pay attention because that's your Father. And if you have any questions about making God your Father, please talk to me today after church or to one of our elders. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. What an incredible thing it is. So I want you to rejoice today that God is your Father. And give a little praise to your real Father that's here on earth as well.